We hope you enjoy this podcast from Light Church Edithburg. To find out more about us, visit lightchurch.co. A couple of weeks until Easter. Today I want to talk about some of the titles of Jesus that I think are important around Easter as we come up to Easter time. And Jesus is referred to many names, isn't he? Um, Lord, Saviour, Jesus Christ, Messiah. And most times, most people refer to Jesus as Jesus Christ. Now, some people think that was Jesus' last name. It's a common mistake, like Jesus Christ, Mary Christ, Joseph Christ. But um, that's a common mistake, but that's not his name. That was a title given to him. And um, what does Christ mean? I need three people. Thank you, Claudia, um, Sarah, and, and Guy. Who can help me? Daryl. Daryl, can you come up for a moment? You can be. You can be. You can be the Greek person. You can be the Australian or the English. You can be the Hebrew person. You look wiser than. And um, Christ comes from from a Greek word. There you go. Christos, Christos, and and there's an English version of Christos, which, which is a what? Which is Christ, right? But did you know that that comes from a Hebrew word, and it's Mishiach. So Mishiach, Hebrew, was translated into Greek. Christos was then translated in your Bible. But just to confuse you, what they did, they also translated Hebrew straight into English, and we had another word, Messiah. And guess what Messiah and Christ mean? Exactly the same thing. One was a hop step down from the Hebrew and one came straight from the Hebrew. So when you read sometimes, and sometimes in your Bible it says Jesus the Messiah and sometimes it says Jesus Christ. Guess what it means? Exactly the same thing. And just to confuse us, well not confuse us, but just so there's no confusion, so you understand what these words mean. And the word means the anointed one. The anointed one. So we got these, oh, you got an extra one. Just give me that. But you know, Jesus didn't refer to himself as that. The most common name that Jesus referred to himself was this, the Son of Man. Did you know that? Out of all the names he called himself, and sometimes people came to Jesus and said, are you the Christ? And he didn't answer, and he said, yeah, um, but the Son of Man will do this, and then called himself a different name. Thank you, you Hebrew, Greek, and English scholars. Give them a hand. Thank you very much. You can keep. Oh, yeah. So we got this term, the Son of Man. And uh, so when you read your Bible, and most during, the, during history, Jesus, the most common term that people have known him is as Jesus Christ. And that's a title that means Jesus the anointed one and um, it was also the same title given to two two sorts of people were anointed kings were anointed and the high priest the priest was anointed too so they were sometimes called the anointed one as well uh, jesus the anointed one it means you're appointed to a holy office it means um, it was a a word at the time, the Messiah. And you read it all through the Bible, like Mark chapter 1 says, this is the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. And uh, the Apostle Paul uses it. This is a letter from Paul, chosen 
by God to be apostle of Jesus Christ. Letter to James, or from James. This letter from James, a slave of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. So all through sort of probably referring to Jesus, it's often used. Even the book of Revelation. This is a revelation from Christ Jesus. But I find it interesting that Jesus never used that word to refer to himself. Only one sort of time he did. He never calls himself Christ in public and he never says, I am the Christ or I am the Messiah. And uh, there's a handful of accounts in the Gospels where people refer to Jesus as Christ and he immediately says something else. Who do you say that I am? You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus sometimes says, don't tell anyone. And, and then he says, the Son of Man must got to suffer many things so he changes changes the name he doesn't deny it but he uses a different title the son of man did you know that the son of man is the most common title jesus used for himself i wonder what that means the son of man the son of man why don't you say that son the son of man the son of man work with me here today see at the time the messiah or the christ was a it's almost like a political term because they were waiting for a deliverer, the Messiah to come to rescue them from the Roman rule, the rightful king, the priest. I'm the Messiah to overthrow Rome. And there were lots of people claiming to be a Messiah and um, around Jesus' time even. And he avoid, avoids it. And we only see something a little bit different when we're coming up to the cross and Jesus is before the high priest and we read about it in Mark chapter 14 I think we got this say verse 60 Andrew the high this is the trial of Jesus coming up to Easter and the high priest stood up before others and asked Jesus well aren't you going to answer these charges what do you say for yourself but Jesus was silent and made no reply then the high priest asked him are you the Messiah the son of the blessed one and Jesus said in this version it says I am in some versions it says well you say I am <laughs> even in some versions it's sort of well what do you say and then Jesus says this and you will see the son of man that term again seated in the place of power at God's right hand and coming on the clouds of heaven. Wow. You're the Messiah. No, but you'll see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven. That's an interesting thing to say, isn't it? At your trial. So why did Jesus call himself this all the time? What does it mean? It's a pretty important title to Jesus, the Son of Man. The Son of means like the offspring of, obviously. Um, sometimes in the Old Testament they were called the sons of the prophets. Uh, they weren't actually physical sons, but they were people learning. And we don't usually use it. Maybe the Sons of Anarchy. There's a motorcycle group or a TV series about the Sons of Anarchy. Um, the Son of Man literally means the Son of Humanity. But um, there's a special moment in your Bible where the Son of Man refers to. And it's Jesus quotes it a little bit in that passage we've just read. 
And when, whenever he spoke of himself, he was probably looking at this context. And when you hear the, the, the term the son of man, it was meant to take you back somewhere to a place in Bible history. And it's in, in the, the book of Daniel, it's chapter 7. We're going to look at it in just a moment. And everyone knew the scriptures, who knew the scriptures at the time, all the Bible nerds, all the chief priests, when you said the son of man, their mind went somewhere. And it's like a, a movie when everyone knows the phrase. For example, I'll give you the phrase, you tell me the movie. Go ahead, make my day. Anyone's old enough? Thank you. They can take our lives, but they'll never take our freedom. Come on, is there someone else who's got some culture apart from Dean here? That's not a knife, this is a knife. We're going to need a bigger boat. Thank you. Okay. May the force be with you. Star Trek? Who said that? Akuna Matata. Let it go, let it go. Hasta la vista, baby. Hasta la vista, baby. I'll be back. Thank you, Dean. I feel the need for speed. We're not in Kansas anymore, Toto. And so when you, often you hear these phrases, and what it does, it takes you to a place, right? You hear a phrase, it's only two lines, and that's, how can a whole movie take you to that place? I am your father. That's, that's, is that Star Wars? Um, and there's a whole stack of phrases which take you to a place. That's what this phrase did. Now, they didn't have movies in those days, but they had some epic Bible scenes. I don't and when they said the Son of Man, it was like that. It was like, go ahead, make my day. It was like, may the force be with you. And it took the listener to a place. And everyone knows about it. You don't have to say what you're talking about. Well, we did have to hear. We have different levels of pop culture in the room here. And where he was taking people when he said the Son of Man was one of the most charged, symbolic, important scenes in the Jewish world. And Jesus is putting himself as a central actor in that movie, right? And um, the famous scene is in Daniel chapter 7. Daniel is a uh, descendant of David. He's in Babylon. They've been captured. They've been taken away. And David, uh, Daniel, has a terrifying dream. It's terrifying. And he writes this dream down. He, he himself calls it terrifying. And it's epic. It's like an, a, an Avengers end scene. You know, I can't stand superhero movies, right? But they have these over-the-top end scenes where they almost destroy the world and somehow. And that's the sort of scene it is. There's explosions going off. There's, there's all sorts of things happening. There's mutant beasts there. There's the kingdoms, and they represent the kingdoms of the world that oppress people. That's what these be uh, beasts represent. There's world empires that come one after the other, 
and that they're violent, they're terrible, they trample people, they act like beasts, they're devouring people. So this is the scene he's dreaming about. And he describes each of these beasts and, and there's a moment where, where God is there and he says, enough is enough. And Daniel sees, it says thrones in heaven. And, and God is sort of on one throne, the other one seems to be empty or it doesn't, it just says thrones but only one is fulfilled. And Daniel describes the person sitting on the throne as the Ancient of Days. It's obviously God. And his clothing was like white snow, hair like wool. His throne is on fire. He's on these chariots and the wheels are on fire. And it's like, wow. And there's a river of fire flowing out. It's majestic, it's powerful, it's shining white, it's overwhelming, it's surround sound, it's 3D, it's technicolour. Sort of got the idea. So this is the dream. And next to this ancient of days, there must be another throne. And it says, the court sat and the books were open. So it's a court scene. And a judgment upon all the kingdoms and the oppressed was happening. And if we go to Daniel 7... Verse 13, let's look at this. And my vision continued that night and I saw someone like, what? Son of man. So this is the term. And when people say the son of man, this is where they go. He's coming with the clouds of heaven. Sometimes it says he's lifted up. He approached the ancient one, that's God, the Father, and was led into his presence. And he was given authority and honour and sovereignty over all nations. This is the Son of Man. So that people from every race and nation and language would obey him. His rule is eternal. This is the Son of Man. It will never end. His kingdom will never be destroyed. So this is the Son of Man. So when Jesus is referring to himself as the Son of Man, see, see Messiah was a title which people used. No one ever used the Son of Man because the Son of Man meant something different. The Son of Man meant you were claiming to be God. And um, so the, the Son of Man is present. The Ancient of Days is given dominion and authority and a kingdom where every tribe and tongue will serve him. And in this dream, the beasts are destroyed. All the kingdoms of the earth are destroyed, the, the oppressive ones. And the Son of Man is exalted over the nations. And the Son of Man gets worshipped al along with the Ancient of Days. So the Son of Man is no ordinary man. This doesn't mean son of humanity. So when Jesus says the Son of Man, we're thinking of this scene. Ex especially the priests and the scripture nerds of the day. And uh, when you see Jesus use this phrase through the Gospels, the Son of Man has authority on earth to heal and forgive, he says. It's because he's God. The disciples are getting food ready on a Sabbath and people are watching. The Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. In a debate, Jesus said, the Son of Man has been given authority to create life and to judge. He's talking about this, this scene. Throwing these lines and this vocab, vocab and these pictures from Daniel 7 and it's making the religious people twitch. 
and angry because they know what he means. See, the Son of Man is the King of Kings and he's, he is the Messiah, but at the time Messiah was a title that was thrown around, are you the Messiah? But no one had ever claimed to be this because the Messiah is an anointed one who delivers, but this is God. This is God. The, the Messiah or the Christ refers to a position. It's a sort of position you take on. But this is bigger. This is supercharged and no one would dare use it. And people read Daniel, the book of Daniel, and they have all sorts of ideas about what it means, you know, end times and all, all that sort of thing. But when Jesus was referring to it, he was referring to his ministry. And this scene, which is in Daniel 7, actually plays out on earth as Jesus is getting ready for the cross. He's before the high priest, who was also the anointed one. It's a courtroom scene. Let's go back to Mark chapter 14 one more time. We'll go to verse 61, can we? Thanks. But Jesus remained silent and made no answer. Again, the high priest asked him, Are you the Christ, the Son of the Blessed One? And Jesus said, I am. And what's the next line? And you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of power. That's Daniel. And coming with the clouds of heaven. That was the, the words used. And the high priest tore his garments. It's not because he said he was the Messiah. What further witness do we need? You've heard this blasphemy. What's your decision? They all condemned him as deserving death. Why? Because he claimed to be God. Claimed to forgive sins. And claimed to be one who would tear down the, 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 the evil kingdoms and overthrow them. And they began to spit on him. Whatever he said, it really got them going. And to cover his face and to strike him. So this is the reaction they got from that, those words. Saying to him, prophesy, and the guards received him with blows. Wow. Those, that phrase, whatever he said, just made these people go into a fit of rage. They were so outraged by it. They knew what Jesus was saying. He was, you might be the high priest. I'm after your job. Because I'm the son of man. They're outraged. They want him dead. And while this trial is playing out in the natural world, it seems like a parallel thing is happening in the spiritual world. You know when you get one of those movies where you... It's, it's like that. Because uh, Jesus was saying, in your mind you're condemning and crucifying me because I'm a threat to your power, a troublemaker. But what is happening right now is fulfillment of Daniel 7 and there's something happening in the spiritual realm as I go to the cross and there's a twist because there's always a twist in, a, in one of those movies isn't there, there's always a twist here's a twist see the cross in the natural it sort of becomes like that throne in the heavenlies when Jesus said when I'm lifted up I will draw men to yourself what do you think about the cross and so you should Guess what it's a quote from? Daniel chapter 7. As he's lifted up. And what did they do on the cross? They put king of kings, put a robe on him like he was 
the king of the Jews, put the sign up there, the crown of thorns. And something's happening here. It's a fulfillment of a prophecy. Something is happening in the spiritual realm where Jesus is conquering, being lifted up and conquering these, the, the power of sin and death. He has a crown on his head. And he's defeating the spiritual powers and the heavenlies and the power of sin. And, and, and here's, a, here's a bit of a twist. Because in the cross you sort of see how God rules the world. And it's not by destroying and oppressing, it's by dying for his enemies and self-sacrifice. His power is released in giving up his life. And as you read that Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father praying, who's read that before? Think about Daniel 7. That's what it's referring to. He's at this throne and he's over all things and conquered all things. It's a scene from Daniel. When you read the greatest of them is a servant of all, sort of read this scene. When you, when you read there's no greater love than, to, than the man lays down his life for his friends. You see, the way Jesus ascended to that throne in heaven was to lay down his life for us. And in somehow, in the spiritual realm, doing that, conquering all the oppression, all the sin, everything that might hold us, now, the Apostle Paul knows this and he writes about it in Philippians chapter 2. You might have read this before. When we're reading this now, think about Daniel chapter 7. Though he was God, so Paul's writing about Jesus, he did not think equality with God something to cling to. He gave up his divine privileges, took the humble position of a slave, was born... As a human being, he appeared in human form. He humbled himself in obedience to God, died a criminal's death on the cross. Verse 9, so God elevated him. This is that picture. He's trying to take their mind actually back to Daniel 7, to the highest place of honour, and gave him the name above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow in heaven, on earth, and under the earth. This is what prophesied, Daniel prophesied. This is what was happening on the cross. Every tongue will declare that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So this cross, this symbol of a curse, somehow became like the throne of God for a, where he ascended up, conquered things. And you got these two pictures which are somehow linked. The heavenly picture and the cross of Jesus. The king of kings, high and lifted up. See, Jesus' kingdom is different from others. Greatest love is shown when you lay down your life for others. It's an upside-down kingdom. Bring freedom to the oppressed. If you look at Daniel 7, it was all about getting rid of those powers that oppress people. It was representing different sort of kingdoms in history but it's it's the power of the oppression can you come up sarah thanks see the great thing is that jesus invites us all to be part of his kingdom in fact that was his preaching theme for the three years he was on earth 
the kingdom of God is like this. And then he was declared king, broke the power of sin and death, and he invites us to be part of his kingdom. And we do that by committing our lives to him, by declaring him as our Lord and our saviour and our king. I just felt to let you know or to remind you perhaps that he is higher than anything you are facing. He is more powerful. He has conquered sin and death. So he's got your issue covered. Whatever the thing you're dealing with or your family is dealing with or in, in the area of health or relationship or um, economic job or whatever it might be he is higher than that he has also defeated everything uh, and broken everything that wants to bind us has bound us has kept us down has oppressed us and something happens when we declare him as lord and savior it's just like i think we just release the power of god into our life it's not just okay you're my lord it's just like you're opening the door for his majesty and power to invade your life. You're giving him an invitation. Lord, rule and reign in my life. Lord, let's, let's pray, people. Lord, we thank you for the power of the cross. We thank you that you are Messiah. You are the Christ. You are the Son of Man who is high and lifted up. And Lord, I declare, we know that on a big level, a, a world level, a universe level, but I, I know it's for us personally as well. So we just present those things in our, our lives which have seemed to be oppressing us, holding people down, stopping people. And just those mindsets even, Lord, that aren't healthy, that are either holding us back or destructive, those things we talked around about communion, those things we've been perhaps feeding on, we're feeding on the wrong things and wondering why we're discontented. Lord, in Jesus' name, we declare you as Lord of our lives. We invite you into our life just to break every chain that might be binding us. Open the blind eyes, Lord, if we can't see, Lord, what you have for us, Lord, we thank you for your healing power, Lord. We thank you for the forgiveness in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. We thank you. Let's just start to thank God. Thank God in Jesus' name. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord.